Welcome to the Lift Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is the greatest lift in life. We are so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will give you a lift of encouragement through this message. I'm ready to jump into this brand new series. We're going to be doing for three weeks called, Did You Get My Text? Um, uh, Who here hates to miss a text message? Anybody up here? Come on, I'm not seeing that many hands. Let me ask this question instead. How many of y'all here have three digits or more in a red circle next to your texting app? Come on. See, that's what I'm thinking because y'all miss all kinds of texts, right? We're going to talk about communication a little bit. Actually, um, communication is such a vital and healthy thing uh, for healthy relationships. God wants to communicate with us. Um, and, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. In fact, when it comes to communication, um, you ever thought you were on a different page with somebody that you were texting? Like, we're on different pages. Did I miss something here? You ever, you ever had that? Um, a few years ago, we have three daughters, and a few years ago, one of them was misbehaving. And so, come on, Daddy said, listen, you're having a rough time, all right? Why don't you go to your room? Chill out for a little bit. Why don't you come on down once you catch hold of your attitude and your emotions, right? Just go, just go chill in your room for a little bit, all right? So she goes up there, and um, about five minutes later, my dad sends me a text that says, um, what did you mean? And I'm like, what do you mean, what do I mean? Like, okay, let me give you some context. My, I'm from Louisiana. My dad lives in Louisiana. Now, I know some of y'all are better at communication with your parents than me, but it had been one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe six weeks since I had talked with my dad. I know I got to get better, but some of y'all know we holler at mama, right? You, you holler at mama. How's dad doing? Come on. I keep tabs. All right. But I, I, I holler at him, but it had been a minute since I had texted with my dad. So when he writes back, what did you mean? I'm like, what do you mean? Am I missing something? <laughs> like, what's going on? Uh, he then sends me a picture, and he said, you just sent me this, and here's what he, uh, I evidently wrote to him. I'm not being bad. Anyone go all the way down, get text Mark. I'm looking at my text, and I'm like, I don't know who you got that from, but that is not from me. And he's like, then I scroll up, and sure enough, it's in my sent part of my phone. I'm like, how in the world did Siri pick up something? And I didn't say anything remotely close to this. My daughter then starts wandering downstairs, and, and I'm like, what are you doing downstairs? Like, have you chilled out? And she said, did you get my text? And I'm like, hold up. You're like four, and you don't own a phone, okay? <laughs> you don't read yet, much less type. I'm baffled. How in the world did I get your text? And she goes, you didn't get my text. I, I left my room, and I walked to your room. I picked up your iWatch off the, off, off the nightstand, and I said to Siri, text Dad, I'm not being bad anymore, and I'm coming downstairs. <laughs> and Papa saw that. <laughs> and I was, I was like, oh, come on. See, now that I get the text, everything finally makes sense. Or how about this? Have you ever mistyped a word accidentally? Or the phone auto-corrected something you didn't want corrected? Um, my wife sometimes texts during uh, the message. You, you know, I know. I, I'm like, come on, you're a pastor. I put a phone. No. I, actually, she, she texts because she's talking with maybe team members about 
what's going on. And, and so um, a few years ago, right after we got our broadcast camera equipment, we were kind of getting used to things. And so she texts our creative director, I'm not going to use his name, to help him out a little bit. And so she sends a text along the lines of, you can put it up there, along the lines of, do we need to see Drew's belt on the screen behind him right here? I can't wait till we have our own place so we can kind of fix that. All right. So do we need to see his belt? Maybe we can scan up, zoom up or, or something. I don't know if it's fine. Our creative director types back, that's the typical SH he tells me to go for on camera. <laughs> I didn't get this text while I was preaching. I get this text when I'm driving home. Siri read me my message and I hear, that's the typical <laughs> Pastor Drew tells me to go for. And I'm thinking, when do we have this conversation? <laughs> Until it continues to read further on. I love my wife's response. That's fine, but I hope it's not really. <laughs> and then he writes, oh my goodness. I wrote shot, not, <laughs> I thought I put an O, and my fat thumbs hit an I, which changed the whole message from, that's the shot Pastor Drew tells me to get, <laughs> to that's the type of, he tells me to get. Changed everything. <laughs> we laughed so hard. We still laugh about it. As I told him, Terrence, I will use this story again from the sermon <laughs> because in this series did you get my text we're going to talk about some biblical texts that God has communicated to us that we can't afford to miss or we can't afford to misunderstand he doesn't want any typos and he doesn't want us leaving anything out or else there will be a disconnect like hey did you get my text and so we want to talk about some pivotal texts of Scripture and what they mean for you. Go ahead and pray for me as we enter. I'm sorry, not pray for me. Pray with me as we enter into this first message. God, here's our hearts. Here's our ears. Here's our mind. Here's our hands. Father, we ask that you would shape our hearts and minds to be more like you. Father, we don't want to miss your text. So, Father, reveal your truth and Father, wherever, wherever it is we need to change, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you would mold and shape us into more of your image. If you agree with that, you can say, in Jesus' name, amen. So today, I want to talk about a pivotal text. It's the text that we oftentimes hear called the golden rule. In Matthew chapter 5 through 7, Matthew records the first sermon Jesus preaches according to Matthew. He's on the Sermon on the Mount, many of y'all have heard about. I got the opportunity of going to Israel earlier this year, and I cannot wait to start leading trips for a lot of you guys to come with me to Israel because so, so much of it is revelatory, and your Bible comes to life. I got to sit on the mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee where Jesus preached this message, and I pulled out my Bible app. I opened to Matthew chapter 5, and I told it to read the scripture to me as I closed my eyes and tried to imagine that I didn't know anything about Jesus, and now here's the words that he's sharing with me in this very moment. It was a powerful exercise because Jesus is redefining social norms. He's redefining religious norms. He's frequently saying, you have heard it said but I say, in other words, 
your culture tells you to act like this. You've heard leaders say that this type of stuff is acceptable, but I say unto you, and he's redefining things. He comes to a culmination at the end of the sermon, almost like a reductionistic conclusion saying, it, Matthew 7, 12, therefore, say therefore. In other words, I give license to preachers to preach long-winded three-chapter messages. Because he did from Matthew 5 to 7. He just gave me license. That's only fun to some of you. Okay, fun. it's funny to me. He says in Matthew chapter 7, all that... I could kind of wrap up and say, therefore, in everything, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the essence of the law and the prophets. What is he talking about? Two-thirds of your Bible is Old Testament, which means it is the law that God gave Moses to the Israelites as well as the prophets. And th there were hundreds of laws to keep up with. And so religion and, and, and Jewish culture was heavy because you were always trying to wonder, did I break another law? Did I keep another law? Did, did I do something wrong? Is someone going to see me doing something wrong? I can't remember all the laws. And he says, this is the essence of all of this. Treat your neighbor the way you would want to be treated. Now, this is nothing new. In fact, every major religion has a version of the golden rule in it. But who here finds this principle easy to adhere to? I mean, it's way easier to go off on people who are rude to you. You're rude to me. I'm going to let you know how rudeness feels. I'm going to be rude to you. It's way easier to get angered at those who cut you off while you're driving. It's way easier than, than to just wave back at them. No problem. You're cool, right? Most of you are not saying you're cool. You say you're number one in, in a different way. <laughs> it's way easier to come back with something nastier than they came back with you. Oh, yeah? Well, you are. It's way easier, if you're not going to argue with them, to give somebody the cold shoulder. It's way easier to keep your money than to be generous. Some servers are up in here are like, amen, say that one again. Come on. It is way easier to talk about them than to talk to them. Oh, how this one-liner text from God as, we're, as he's communicating with us, don't some of us wish we were like, ah, I didn't see that text. <laughs> I didn't see that text, so I can't be held accountable to that. This one-liner changes everything. It, it, it is the secret to great relationships um, we love this text towards us like if God's saying you better treat Drew right you're like yeah you better you heard you heard what God said you gotta do right by me you gotta love me well you gotta you gotta affirm you gotta encourage you gotta we don't like it so much when it's us to others where, where God's saying hey Drew do the right thing to them I know they did you wrong and I know they probably will not repay it. Do the right thing. And you're like, that gone. God, why'd you got to send that text? Do unto others as you would want them to do to you. So three ways to live out the golden rule. Three ways to live out the golden rule. Number one, very simple. If you wouldn't want it done to you, don't do it to them. <laughs> oh, come on. I know, you're like, this, this is kind of elementary. This is kind of, this is kind of basic, Pastor Drew. Yes, but why do we forget it so often? 
So frequently, we get caught up in emotions, we get caught up in ego, we get caught up in pride, we get caught up in offense, we get caught up in gossip, and we treat other people the way we would never want people to treat us. This golden rule to apply it, you just simply got to ask one question. Would I want someone talking about me the way I'm talking about them? (laughs) Come on, when you're in a group message... You got to ask, would I want to be the brunt of the direction that this message is going right now? Would I want to be the center of topic of gossip at the coffee, uh, uh, near, the, near the coffee pot at work? Come on. It's name calling. It's backbiting. It's bullying. It's social bullying. It's withholding forgiveness. Would I want them to forgive me? Daggone it. I probably need to forgive them, but I'm not ready to. And they did wrong by me. And they'll probably do it again. Jesus said, "At ah, we ain't going there. <laughs> yeah, but their mama did it and their mama's mama did it. We're definitely not going there. <laughs> I said, do unto others as you would want them to do to you. And so this changes, every, this one text changes everything. In fact, write this down. Instead of putting them in their place, Put yourself in their place. I'm about to let you know that I would not want somebody talking to me that way. And I would not want someone treating me this way. Um, In our history, in the Revolutionary War, to help those who fell asleep in history class, the Revolutionary War... Is how America won its independence. Um, uh, America was fighting the British. And so um, the British were considered the bad guys. And they were the lords of the territory at the time. And there was a patriot named John Adams. I'm not talking about the beverage of your choice. I'm talking about a patriot named John Adams. Okay, And so John Adams was a, a patriot of all patriots. He was for the growing America and its independence. However, he was a lawyer. And during the Boston Massacre... Um, American colonials uh, got into a skirmish, a a deadly skirmish, with British troops, and British troops fired on um, American colonials. John Adams had a decision to make because he decided to defend the British troops. Even though he 100% 100 sides with the American colonials and is for the independence of America, he chooses to come over here and to defend British troops. Why? He stands up there and in his opening arguments he says this, We are to look upon it as more beneficial that many guilty persons should escape unpunished than one innocent person should escape suffering or should suffer the reason is that innocence should be protected more than the guilt should be punished he went on to say for if an innocent person were to be condemned as guilty having never done anything in the first place and they come to the conclusion who cares it's indifferent in this land nice guys finish last innocence is unprotected then he says that in that case, it will be the end of all security whatsoever. In other words, 
if we just stand on our rights, if we just go after what my gut instinct says, yeah, America, it doesn't even matter if we violate your rules. He says, if we don't defend even someone who could be innocent, then that is the end of all security whatsoever for our future, no matter what it beholds. So I wrote this down. One reason you don't do what you wouldn't have done by you is you might be wrong. John Adams was saying, we might be wrong. We might be passionately accusing them of something maybe we started. Maybe we did. And that doesn't mean I'm changing sides. I'm just saying we have to protect innocence. We have to keep trueness secure even in the future that we have in mind. And guess what? You might be wrong. How many of you here have never been wrong in your life? Please raise your hand. Those who are raising their hands are wrong. <laughs> I'm your pastor. Let me help you out. <laughs> we all make mistakes. We all come to the wrong conclusions. And we have to realize that um, one of the reasons that we don't condemn people the way maybe they deserve to be, but we don't, um, um, uh, we do unto others as, or rather, I wouldn't want it done to me, so I'm not going to do it to them, is because when we find out we were wrong, we will have wished we golden ruled it. Like, I wish I wouldn't have talked about them. I, that changes a lot of things. I wish I wouldn't have posted that post. I wish I could take back the email. I wish I could take back the words that I said to my spouse because I was wrong, and I don't want to tell her I'm wrong, right? I shouldn't do to others what I wouldn't want them doing to me. I was in a museum on vacation one time, and we went into like a Ripley's Believe It or Not, and I, I saw this, and I had to take a picture. How many of y'all know what that is? It's old school weapon. It looks like weapons. Um, it's called a bad blood draining kit or a letting kit. Because back in the day, when people didn't understand psychology, they just decided if we've tried to rehabilitate you and it doesn't work, it's probably because you just have bad blood in your body. Therefore, we're going to help you by getting it out of you. And they would use these tools to try to let the bad blood out. And they would cut you. Now, if they found out what we know about emotional health today and psychology, they kind of go, oop, my bad. I probably shouldn't have cut that. I probably shouldn't have amputated that. I probably shouldn't have put you through that. My bad didn't know. Wish I had golden ruled it. Because how many of y'all, if you catch me in a fib or if you catch me in a fight, I don't want you rushing to conclusions. He's got bad blood. Let's fix him. Right? Come on. I don't want to be treated that way. So we got to be slow to treat others that way. John Adams continued and said this. He said, it was critical for the accused to have a fair trial lest other nations view colonial America as a place where justice and due process are not respected. Similarly, I say this, if we don't live the golden rule, people will view Christians as people whom Jesus' teachings aren't really respected. Come on, do you hear what John Adams is saying? If we violate this, and if we win the war, they'll just go, that's a lawless place. They got no rules. It's chaos down there. And I wonder sometimes if we wear the Christian tag, but we violate the golden rule, if we do not get this text, people look and they say, they don't respect what they say they respect. 
And what's the next word that comes out of their mouth that starts with H-Y? Hypocrite. And, and in some cases, they'd be right. That doesn't mean you get it right all the time. It just means that when we realize we got it wrong, we, we, we are people of repentance. We are people of forgiveness. And we are people who own that. Guys, this is about your witness. It's about how people view you. If you go off short-tempered just as quick as everybody else who doesn't have Jesus goes off short-tempered, people start saying, that don't work. Come on, that's what we need. Marriage is winning. We need parents winning. We need our witness winning because we're doing things differently by the golden rule. Come on and preach to your neighbor right now and tell them, let it be, let it be, let it be, oh, let it be. Go ahead and speak some words of wisdom. Let it be. See what I did there? Y'all going to have to help the young generation. They're like, what happened there? Why are people laughing? <laughs> Listen, if this is difficult for you, then I want to tell you in three weeks we have small group Sunday. You need to join a small group. And I highly recommend that you're in community. And there's only one small group that I say... Um, Everybody should go through at one point. In fact, if you just gave your life to Christ, recently been baptized, then you should sign up for the Freedom Small Group. We got a lot of great small groups, but the Freedom one is this. Though God might have busted you out of slavery like the Israelites coming out of Egypt, the Israelites still got some Egypt in them that's got to get out of them. People called me names. People did wrong by me. Uh, I, I remember things happened, and we get these hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we need to get deliverance and freedom from. So in three weeks, sign up for the Freedom Small Group. Number two, here's the second way you live the golden rule. Number two, if you would want it do, done to you, do it to them. Don't wait for them to do it first. You go ahead and lead the way. Come on, Johann Wolfgang von Guth once said, Treat a man as he is, and he will remain as he is. Treat a man as he can be, and he will become as he can be. In other words, treating her as she is treating you changes nothing. Treating her as she could be changes everything. The, uh, what I love about the golden rule is it is often followed up by the golden result. The golden result is people will usually treat us the way we treat them. The golden rule, do unto others as you want them done to us. The golden result, they're likely to treat me the same way that I just treated them. And that's with grace, mercy, dignity, honor. Come on. This part gets me excited. Even if you hadn't gotten a compliment in a long time. That's why you should bring them a meal. I was sick. Where was my meal when I was sick? No, 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 no. It's not for backbiting and chiding. Go ahead and forgive someone, right? If we would want them to forgive us, think of them the way you want them to think of you. I don't like the way they talk about me. I don't like the way they speak about them right now. Let's get this going. Why don't I golden rule this thing and do to them what I want them, wish they would do to me? How about go spend time with the sick, the elderly, or the incarcerated? Because if you were in their position, you probably would want it too. Serve your neighbor. Celebrate someone else's win wildly instead of saying, I don't know why you got that thing. Should have been me. Right? And when someone does that, doesn't that take wind out of your sail? To do 
like, no one's going to celebrate this bigger than me. Come on. I'm so pumped for you because I'm going to do for you what I wish somebody would do for me. Can I get an amen? You know, tell How many want to go to hell? I don't think we're surrounded by people who want to go to hell. I remember I was 20 years old when somebody I believe as long as you're good enough, as long as you had a good enough experience, as long as you did enough good to make up for the bad, you will go to heaven. And I learned this. I didn't get that Nowhere in Jesus' teachings or communication Yet so many of us view it that way. What he did say is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Not through any other deity, not through any other special man of God or any other thing, but through me. In other words, that did you get my text? This is pivotal. This is crucial. He also said, I long for none of my children to be eternally departed from me in hell, for I am prolonging the second coming because I want all my children in my family. I want all issues to be healed and, and, and all divisions to be dealt with by the blood of Jesus so that you can come unto me. Guys, I think we know this, but we need to hear it. You, you can't bring sin into heaven. It has to be dealt with. And I could not believe that for 20 years people let me risk my life, my, eternal, my eternity in hell by not telling me the good news of Jesus Christ. What we're called to do. Would you want someone, if you were sick, terminally ill, and they had the antidote, would you want them telling you, like, I got a way to fix that. I got a way to heal that. I would want that, wouldn't you? And in the same way, do unto others as somebody probably already did for you. Because if you're in this place, somebody did it for you. And we've got to take the message of the good news. The other day, I was hitting golf balls uh, at, the, um, at the range. And I got into a conversation with my friend out there. And uh, um, right after I started quoting some articles that back up the biblical text, even though they were secular articles, I said, I just read this. Crazy that it just dawned on them that the Bible's right. Come on. And the, the man hitting golf balls in front of me turns around and he goes, that's a heavy topic y'all are talking about. It's like, oh, brother, which way is this going? He comes over to the golf thing and he sits down on the little cart thing. I was like, this is going to be a long-winded conversation. <laughs> and he said, tell me more. And I started talking to him about Jesus Christ and what he teaches because he's the way, the truth, and the life. And, and that how he brings peace and joy to your soul. And I was sharing, man, I wish you had the joy that I've got. I only got it through Jesus Christ. And, and I invited him to church. And you know what? Two weeks ago, he was here. He was here. Come on. Listen, we got to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. The golden rule is my favorite grounds for evangelism because earlier in Jesus' sermon, in Matthew chapter 5, he said this. He said, you are the salt of the earth. In other words, you are more important than you think you are. 
But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. In other words, I, I wrote it down this way. I had a diagram. Go ahead and put this up there. When we do the golden rule, which is do what I would have done to me, or don't do to others what I wouldn't have done to me. When I do that, the conclusion of the golden rule is salt. Emerald Lagasse, bam. Come on, the world goes, wow. No one else does that. No one else acts like that. You stand out. You're uncommon. This is why. My favorite evangelism is the golden rule. Because when I do it, I immediately have stood out. And the, the, the question, whether they verbalize it or it just rests on their soul, is why would you do that? And then my answer is because someone did it for me. His name's Jesus Christ. And when I did it, deserve it, he did for me what he would have wanted. And the reason I don't condemn you is because he didn't condemn me the way he could have and should have condemned me. And so the reason that I'm here is for salt. You're called to be salt. Now, go on, because if we do not get this text, if we miss it, then you have to flip would and wouldn't, and now it becomes, I do to others what I wouldn't have wanted done to me. Or, I don't do to others what I would have wanted done to me. And you know what the result of that is? Matthew 5 says, What good is salt if it has lost its flavor? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. In other words, we become flavorless salt. We're doing what the world does. Everybody acts that way. You don't stand out. It doesn't make an impression. And I certainly have learned nothing about Jesus your Savior, your Lord. Guys, I finished with this. I came across a research article recently that less we know this, less than half of our nation is a Christian nation anymore. We were founded on Christianity. It's where we get our, our law from. It's where we get our, our, our setup from. It's where we get our organization from, our government. But no longer are we standing on it. Less than, I believe it's 40% say they're Christian. Here's another problem. Most people, uh, only about half of the people who are far from God will come to a church experience. However, here's the really good news. The Barna Research said this, that 88% of people far from God, if they meet a Christian who looks like or seems like or has a reflection like the Jesus that's in here, 88% of them will say, I want what you have, and they will receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's about our witness. However, the opposite's true too. If they meet a professing Christian, and they say, that doesn't seem at all like Jesus' teachings, and that conversation doesn't at all seem like his attitude, and this situation doesn't line up at all, 88% will say, I don't want that Savior. And they will not come to Christianity. In other words, guys, you are called to be salt. How do I become salty? Not in the bad way, in the positive way, in the wow way, in the bam kind of way. Do unto others as you wish it was done to me. Write this down. Why should I do that? To prove I'm good or to go to heaven? The answer is no. To prove where your salt came from. 
My goodness came from him. In fact, write this down. Goodness is not for goodness sake. Goodness is for God's sake. I'm not doing this so you think big things of me. I'm not doing this to impress you. I'm not withholding condemnation so that you're like, this is a really nice guy. I wish I met more of them. No, I'm doing it for God's sake so that you see he has transformed my life. He has changed me and he could do it for you too. This is his nature towards you. Come on. Can I get an amen? Guys, that study means people who miss out on Jesus are not missing out because of the Bible or the gospel. They're missing out because of our witness. We can't afford to miss this text. I believe as we go into the fall, people are going to come back to Jesus. They're going to come back to church. They're going to be looking for a church home. They're going to be looking for a place where they can get their condemnation, their guilt, and their shame healed. And the answer is Jesus. Let us not become a stumbling block that gets in the way, but instead an attractive light. Where'd you get that? I've been looking for some salt like that on my life. In Jesus' name. So I'll finish three ways to live like Jesus. Number three, how, how do I live out the golden rule? Number three, you can't. Surrender trying to do it out of your own will. The Bible is very clear. You cannot earn your way to heaven. Jesus was once asked, hey, good teacher. And he said, no one is good. Not even one except the Father himself. So trying to be good will never work. That's an impossibility. What you can do is you can surrender trying and put your faith in him. In other words, I'm not going to try to do it on my own, but I'm going to surrender doing this on my own and choose Jesus. One uh, Indian chief was being evangelized, and the evangelist told him about the golden rule, and the Indian chief responded, that is impossible. It cannot be done. If the great spirit that made man would give him a new heart, he could do as you say, but not else. I sure hope that evangelist followed up with Ezekiel 36, 26. I'm really glad you said that, because God said this, I will give you a new heart, and I will give you a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. And I will give you a tender, responsive heart. In other words, on your own, I can't do this. I'm going to just backbite. I'm just going to name call. I'm just going to get nastier. But if he'll give me a new heart, one that kind of is responsive to him going, hey, hey, hey. Think about my word first. Did you get my text? Did you get my text? Golden rule, did you get it? Yes, God, I'm trying to respond. I don't like it. <laughs> There's other things my flesh wants to do, but I'm responding to you. Amen. Come on, let me pray for you. God, I pray for every single person listening right now, um, online and in person. And I pray, Father, that you would help us do what we cannot do on our own. In fact, lay your hands on your heart as I pray over you. Father, over every single heart and soul, over every heart, mind, and soul. Father, I just pray our emotions would respond to you. Our minds would respond to you. Our heart would respond to you. That offense wouldn't stick in here, yet the golden rule would. That, that hurt wouldn't stick in here, but the golden rule would. That, that offense, that, that, um, that anger wouldn't stick in here, but the golden rule would. That pride, that jealousy, See, that envy wouldn't stick in here, but the golden rule will, Father, that we will live differently. And that when we do, people will say, wow, and it will be an opportunity for us to tell us the wow moment we had with you when you forgave us of our sins. God, we pray over this in Jesus' name. 
And while every head is bowed and every eye is closed before I leave in here, I just want to ask those who know, man, I'm far from God. I'm not right with Him, and it's time for me to get right. All those things you preached about, I did the opposite of those, and I don't have a good track record going. If you're the guilt and shame you're feeling, I want to tell you that Jesus came to wash it away under the blood that He spilled for you on the cross. God knew that every single one of us have something in common, and that's called sin. The problem is the wage of that sin is death. When you go to a restaurant and you order something, people know that there's a bill that must be paid in order to make things right. When you sin, there is a death that must occur to make this right. And if you die with your sin undealt with, the enemy says, I received that soul as payment for that death. But God doesn't want that to happen to you. That's why Jesus said, I'm going to go down there as human beings and I'm going to live a perfect, spotless person. And I'm going to let them crucify me so that any man who puts their faith in me will be covered by innocent blood. I will pay the debt, the price for their sin so that they can be innocent again. If you're in this place and you're like, I need that innocence. I need to be set right and I want to start all over again a new way. I won't call you down or I won't embarrass you. But with every head bowed, every eye closed, I don't want you to be embarrassed and say, Pastor Drew, include me in that prayer. Come on, if that's you, would you just throw your hand in the air and say, that's me. I'm going to start all over again today. For the first time or for a, a new time, I'm coming back to him again today. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Come on. If you're in here, I saw you. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you're online and you say, I really need that prayer, include me too. Come on, just write in the chat, include me. I'm giving my life to him. And then I'm going to ask everybody in the room to pray this simple prayer along with me. Say it out loud, especially those who raised their hand. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I have sinned. I have messed up. I know I've hurt you. I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. You died on that cross, an innocent man, condemned for the sin I committed. And you took it willingly. So I want to take on your demeanor willingly. I want to take on your spirit willingly. I'm starting again with you as my Lord, you as my Savior. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. The church said, amen. Come on.